I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to Good Job, where we interview inspiring people from the music industry. We follow their journey from their very worst job to present day and find out what makes them them. Today's guest is musical theatre singer, vocal coach, former American Idol contestant and queen of riffing, Natalie Weiss. I first came across Natalie when a cover of I'm Not Afraid of Anything by Jason Robert Brown went viral and I was completely in awe of her technique and control. Now, you can't talk about Natalie without talking about her amazing YouTube series Breaking Down the Riffs in which she takes some really, really challenging riffs and runs and breaks them down in an easy-to-understand way. And as a self-confessed bad riffer, this really paved the way for me building up my own singing skills. My mom said, oh, this, it doesn't matter if this kid has nodules, she's never going to be a singer, none of us are singers. I remember she said that. In this episode, we talk about her experience with vocal injury, what she thinks makes a great voice, and how she deals with the insecurity of the musical theatre industry. So, we start the podcast the same way for everyone. What was your worst ever job? Luckily, I haven't had too many jobs besides what I like doing. Um, I'm not going to tell you my worst theatre job because the world is too small, but I will tell you, uh, let's say I worked in a diner type place when I was 16 and I worked at Chili's. So I would say either one of those. And would you have imagined your entire life journey? Were you aiming for this life journey? Not this journey, like something with the arts, but never like I never really knew what I was doing at all. Mm. Okay, so tell me about that. How did you get into arts then? I grew up classically trained as a piano player. Um, My mom saw my mom and dad saw some musical ability. So they put me in lessons pretty early. Uh, We went to pop concerts really early on. So I saw Madonna when I was five with the cone boobs, which was totally inappropriate. Um, (laughs) I saw Billy Joel, Janet Jackson. So I always thought I wanted to be a big pop star. Um, I played sports. So when I went to high school, I had to kind of give up soccer. I played tennis still, but I had to give up soccer to take singing lessons. And so when I was at Penn State University for musical theater, I was singing a Dreamgirl song. And one of the first year students was filming it. He put it on this thing called YouTube.com, which was not a thing in 2006 or was just starting to be. And then the next day I had a bunch of friend requests on Facebook because the Dreamgirls movie was coming out. And that's the video that honestly started it all for me kind of by accident. I sort of rode the wave of that. And in college, I was sort of the go to, you know, starting my coaching career for free because I played piano. So I was able to after college, besides auditioning, I started, you know, my coaching side business. I only had a few clients, super cheap. Um, I was lucky because the YouTube following gave me clientele. Um, I also did apply for music ed, so I didn't really know if I wanted to be a teacher or performer for a while. 
Did you always have a talent for singing then? To be honest, like I had a musical talent, but I really was not a good singer. Like there are videos of me like Throwback Thursdays that are just awful. They're so funny. I just didn't. I remember like the talent show in in fourth grade. So I was 10. I played piano. Like that was my talent. And then the fifth grade talent show the next year, I was like, I think I want to sing. But I was like rocking back and forth. No stage presence. I sang The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. And I in I played Peter Pan when I was 10. So I could sing on pitch, but it was like really I had like nodules when I was younger. I talked a lot. So it was like, oh, I'm flying like it, it sounded horrible. And then all of a sudden in like fifth grade, it would be like, I believe the children are future. Like it doesn't sound like that, but there was vibrato and like riffs. So it definitely came from imitating, um, but I definitely had to like work on the craft of it. How did your nodules affect you as a kid? Oh, I had nodules when I was three and a half. So I went to speech therapy pretty young, but I was, I remember I had no head voice at 13. But my mom said, oh, this it doesn't matter if this kid has nodules. She's never going to be a singer. None of us are singers. I remember she said that. Like, who cares? It's amazing that uh, you've gone on to have the career that you have, considering that was the start, because a lot of kids start their passion like super young at that age and feel like those are the things that define them. But you've kind of been like, oh, I'm just going to do my own thing. Yeah. I didn't mean for it to be like, I'm going to do my own thing now. It sort of just happened like that. And how about coaching? Was it more coaching or more singing? It was more performing um, and less teaching. Now it's more teaching, less performing. So like in the last seven years, I've done like a show a year, maybe. There was a point where I was like, I just want to be on Broadway so I can Sam on Broadway so I feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. But it was never like, I really would love to be on that stage, you know? And I was on American Idol in 2005. And that was like my dream. Like I was crushed when I didn't make it. And now I have a dream of coaching on American Idol. I have no desire to be on any of those shows. Why do you prefer coaching then? A lot of this career is validation. And so if you're not getting it, you think like, I suck, I suck, I suck. So when I wouldn't get a call back, I'm like, ugh, I self-sabotaged anyway. I wasn't even good anyway. It was always like, I'm. there's better people in the room. Um, I would psych myself out of everything. I feel like I'm a good actress when the material, when I'm really connected to it, but I, don't, I have trouble connecting to everything. Hearing that you make a change in someone's voice is like so gratifying. Yeah, I agree. I don't have siblings, so this is a, a big thing for me. I've had a lot of students who have become like siblings who have become like really good friends. And so I think that I love being a mentor because I didn't have that growing up. Let's go back to when you were doing American Idol. What was that experience like for you? Season two, I got cut with my friend and we were like, what? This isn't supposed to happen like this. This was like when I was 17. Went back season four. Um... They gave me the golden ticket and I'm honestly kind of shocked they didn't play the audition or at least me running out of the room because my reaction was like very excited. Went to Hollywood, um, made it to the second round, wish they showed my first round. Here's the thing. It was honestly horrible. It was like one of the worst experiences, but I cannot imagine what would have happened if I made it. I always think about that. But anyway, I wanted to crawl into a hole when I got cut and I thought it was the worst news of my life. But, you know, reflecting back on it, I don't know, maybe I would have been Carrie Underwood, but this is what I'm doing now, you know? Okay, so tell us about breaking down the riffs, because that was a massive thing for you. How did that happen? 
So I was on the tour of Les Mis for about two and a half years. When I first took the tour, I was cast as a swing. And then in 2012, Beyonce's Halo came on the radio. And my friend was like, how many notes are in the word night? And I was like, let me count the notes. So I counted the notes and I said, oh, it's like a scale, but there's seven. So if you tilt your head on the fifth note, it works. And she was like, whoa, that works. So then I like tested this made up method out on my wardrobe supervisor and she could do it. And she was not a singer at all. So I knew it could kind of work for the everyman. So instead of doing one video with like a bunch of riffs, I sort of was like, okay, let's start with this one. I'll cast my friend who's a middle level riffer. She's a good singer, but she can't, can't be too good or else it's not attainable. So we started there. My friend had a good camera and he edited. I didn't know how to edit at the time, which is 80% of my day now. Um, so yeah. And then 35 episodes later, just I remembered all these riffs that I learned. And then I just kept getting requests and breaking them down with with numbers, basic counting numbers and music theory. And do you think anyone can learn to riff? I think, as I say in, in episode one, anyone can riff to a degree. <laughs> okay. So I definitely think some voices just, you know, the vocal folds are thicker. They can't, they can't move as, as fast. So I think everyone should know their personal goal. I do visualize certain things. You know, I have mm. to visualize like a, oh, oh, I have to visualize like a forward and out movement. Um, and I'm not as agile as name the fastest riffer possible. I'm Tori Kelly. I don't know. I'm just not. Yeah, I, I can move, but I also like to plan mine. A lot of singers I don't trust myself. I don't, I tell people I'd prefer you plan them and then make it emotional. But I, you know, if I'm doing a complicated one, I don't want to get caught in it and then be lost. Yeah, I get that. Some people are just able to, able to riff, but then there's a lot of people who use riffs to disguise other things as well. Yeah. It's like that when it's too much, I want you to sing the melody too. There's nervous riffers that I work with a lot. Yeah, I bet you get a lot of riffers come in for your. For I do, but what I what also is so interesting is like, let's say I'll see a performance, and they'll, they'll be like, "Oh my god, I heard you were here. I threw in an extra riff for you," and I'm like, "I didn't want that. Like, I want your performance." People think I want more riffs. That's the only danger with what I created. <laughs> it is about the performance and the acting. With breaking down the riffs, it's literally what is going on. You know. Okay, well, what do you think makes a great singer then? What makes a great singer is, to be honest, like tone and dynamic for me. So once somebody starts singing, if they're like, mm, I'm in, like it doesn't have to be like, and then they belt it high and it's just about the tone and the dynamic for me. Yeah, okay. Right away. You recently had a vocal hemorrhage. How did you discover it at first? My friends will tell you, I'm always like, oh God, I have no voice. I'll never sing again. I say that all the time. I lose my voice after concerts. It's totally fine in 48 hours. So every day I'm like, I joke, I joke. And maybe I did in the past and never got scoped, but it felt pretty healthy. But this, because I was in a show, I was like, wait a minute, why is this one song so much harder? So I was like, always going to go for peace of mind. And then um, it actually wasn't anything that felt like a snap. Like my friend had one recently and she said it felt like that was it. But I, mine wasn't like that. So I don't actually know how it happened. But I remember like, hey, like little, little notes that were hard, easy for me were like, weird. So I consulted some colleagues and then I went on our first preview and they found out I had to do this show. And then um, I probably would have been fine, but the steroids caused bronchitis and then I coughed myself into complete laryngitis. So that must have been quite scary for you. 
It was so scary in terms of like, there were no understudies. Once the doctor said, just surrender, I was like, okay, I'm off for three days. I'm not talking. There's literally nothing I can do. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here we go. The quick fire round. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Music or lyrics? Music. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Creativity or logic? Creativity. Plane or train? Train. (laughs) Beer or wine? Wine. Sweet treats or savory snacks? Sweet. City or countryside? City. Matching or odd socks? (laughs) Matching. Guitar or piano? Guitar, even though I don't play. (laughs) (laughs) Friday night in or Friday night out? In. (laughs) Modern or vintage? Modern. Black and white or technicolor? Technicolor. Moose or mouse? Moose. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie is well known for her clean and crisp riffs and runs. And riffs and runs are now synonymous with R&B singing and pop. But has that always been the case? Well, to find out, we need to look at the fancy word for riffs and runs, melisma. Melisma is the singing of a single syllable across a series of notes in quick succession. And melisma was traced back to ancient religious festivals, and these styles of singing are actually used in a lot of Arabic music today. However, in Western music, the first dictionary definition of melisma is a group of notes or tones sung on one syllable in plain song, which is otherwise known as Gregorian chant. Today, melisma is popular across many genres, from Indian classical music to opera to soul to Celtic music, and is often used to show off a singer's prowess and agility. But all these genres sound so different while using melisma. What makes them actually sound different? Well, it's the scales used. Pop and R&B and soul tend to use pentatonic scales and blues scales, whereas classical music and opera tend to use major and minor, and Indian and Arabic music use the notes in between the Western scales. Each genre has its own patterns and scales and way of using melismatic singing. And although not every scale is appropriate for every genre of singing, it can be really fun to get to grips with the different scales and find your own unique way of putting them together when using melisma in your own singing. 
Okay, what is success to you? Number one, being busy all the time, having things to do, whether you create them for yourself or like, I'm so excited to put out this makeup video that I'm not getting paid for, but everyone will like. I like makeup. So I'm not saying it's like full success. I think success is obviously making money, doing thing, something that you love, but also like inspiring people is success. Do you ever doubt yourself on the opposite side? Every day of every minute. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. My God, it never stops. Come on. Do you think that's because of kind of other people looking at you all the time? Or do you think that's just how you feel? I think it's a mixture. Like I... I'm confident in what I put out and I'm also confident uh, I have a good support system. So like, they'll be honest. They're like, this isn't funny. But I also try, I think I have a good judgment. So I'm like, like I almost posted something the other day and I was like, I'm going to send this to you and I don't think it's postable, but you let me know. And she's like, I'm bored. I'm like, right. I thought so. So I definitely like have a good community that I trust. Mm-hmm. You need all the opinions you can get sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Although sometimes opinions can be bad. On YouTube, they can be, for sure. Oh, God, I can't. The YouTube comments kill me. I can't. Do you read them? I don't Google, but they come into my inbox sometimes. So, like, not every comment comes in, but the funniest ones are the ones of my video with Gaten Matarazzo, who was Dustin from Stranger Things, because he was on my Lay Miz tour. So, like, last night, I got this one. This These come in all the time, but they don't watch the video. So, you, if you watched it, you would know that he's not my son. <laughs> Literally... It's like somebody DM'd me like three times in a row and said, your son is an inspiration to me. He is a five star person. My dream was to talk to your son. For me, he is the best strange things character in person in the world. I know you will not read this, but okay. That is the most bizarre thing. Or like the mom ruined it. That's my favorite. Oh, me. Those don't make me mad because like, you know, when it's about insecurities of yourself, you're like, is this true? But when they're like, she she's hurting my ears like that makes me laugh like the quality is terrible the mic is bad of course but like i don't take offense yeah yeah yeah. i think it is the ones where they're just slightly mean slightly mean that are the worst not to be mean but yeah (laughs) yes we all get those ones (laughs) what do you think it's about your personality that's made you one be able to sing and two be able to coach Well, I I always was outgoing. I think I became more introverted as I got older. I've kind of, I'm very independent. So sometimes I'm like, I just want to go home and be by myself. And I never felt that way growing up. Um, But I think that helped on stage. But then as I got more known, I started getting really bad anxiety. And so I would stop performing for a little bit. And then it sort of subsided. I think you're always nervous when you go on, but it was like, I can't do this anymore. You know, Um, coaching, I think which is really weird. I'm very indecisive in life, but I'm very decisive with coaching most of the time. And I think directness, like humor, making it like, who cares? Like, let's, we're all in this together. Making like self-deprecation has helped me help my students laugh at themselves because there's no way to grow without making weird sounds. And I hate to say bossiness because that's like me as a child, but a sense of do this, it has helped me be direct. So you mentioned that you had a lot of anxiety. Do you have any advice for people who are dealing with anxiety? How did you get over that? I'm still dealing with anxiety, but for me, if I'm super, super anxious, I do like actual, like breathe in for three, exhale for six. Like my friends who are like in meditation have helped me. Um, Convincing yourself it's not a big deal. Like who cares? Like mantras like that. And 
preparation if you're prepared. Like a lot of times I'll be super nervous if I don't know the words. It's not a good feeling. But if it's like for your own show, you know every song really well. Why am I so nervous? This is like I, my second show at Joe's Pub. I had already done the entire show and I could not breathe the entire day. I was like, <sighs> and I couldn't catch my breath. And then by the third song, I was fine. But like, it's just a couple songs. It takes a couple songs to get in. Sometimes you don't have a couple songs to get in. <laughs> you only have one time, you know? Do you find with students, they get anxious with things? Yeah. And we, I've had talks about it with people. I've helped people with their anxiety. They're like, I can't believe you have it too. And I'm like, girl, let's talk. You know, <laughs> like, it's fine. I'm not a calm person. I've gotten much calmer over the years, but, um, and training will help. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Trusting your voice. Yeah. Do you ever get anxious teaching? I always get nervous before I meet a new student. Me too. Every day. Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that. Every time when I see someone on the calendar that I know, I'm like, but when I see a new student, I feel like I'm interviewing. When I hear their voice and I know I can help them, I'm calm. But when I think either they're way too good, I have nothing to fix. I get super nervous because then I'm like, I'll give you your money back. And then there's, you're not bad. I just don't think I'm the teacher for you. I think I want to send you to this person. They know more. So there's like an insecurity thing. I know what I can do for you. I know I'm the best coach for this. And I know I'm a really good coach when it comes to certain personalities and certain voices. But the problem is a lot of singers think you're the only teacher for me. What type of voice do you think? And what type of personality? I mean, it's hard to pinpoint, to be honest, because there's different kinds. But for my my ideal client is personality of like, just a cool person that I can just have a conversation with somebody I can joke around with and be direct somebody who um, takes correction really well somebody who like might not have it yet but when I give them a correction they apply it really fast even if it's not going to be overnight even one little thing listening not defensive face well it's really helpful if you have someone who comes into a yeah who comes into a lesson and is is ready to kind of is ready to learn a lot of people are as you say a little bit defensive a little bit nervous and their default is to be like to shut off mention a name somebody once said i I said "Ooh, i would love i think you need to do this 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 here i don't like that okay cool um can you do it for for now just just for now did you want me to tell you that you were good or to help you just just wanted to know because I really hated teachers that would be like, good job. What else do you have? I couldn't stand that. I'm like, that sounded horrible. So for me, I will try to find something and I will be honest. I'm like, listen to me. I hate when teachers do this, but that was so freaking good. I have nothing to fix. I'll say it like that. Let's do something else. But other than that, you're paying me to coach you. In your whole career, what has been your greatest accomplishment? I put together a uh, retirement concert for my mentor, but I produced, music directed, stage managed, performed, organized. Like I did every single job and I rallied the troops and I was really proud of myself for that. And it was like such a success. She was surprised. The numbers were amazing. It was all like a big reunion for people in the musical theater program. And I was really, um, that was one of my proudest, exciting moments. What about your biggest challenge? What's been your biggest challenge? If you work with people you don't see eye to eye with, but you can't let them know. So you have to go to work and be cordial and then vent at home and be very professional. Or maybe being with a cast you're not as close to. 
super hard and you're on the road. Yeah, that's a really interesting point about casts because it's it so really- so much of it is social. Mm-hmm. So like on Broadway, hey, how was your day? Great. My husband and I did this. My kid and I did this. And then you go to work. If you're on tour, you're like family, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you don't have much time without them. You eat with them. You like socialize just with yeah. them. And you can, don't get to see your normal friends. Exactly. And, and family and stuff like that. But I do recommend everyone tours. Have you toured outside of the US? Uh, just my own solo stuff, um, teaching and, and concerts. But I had like a companion with me. So I had a best friend or my booking manager came with me once. So like mini tours, but not like on my own tour bus or anything. When you go to shows, can you ever switch off your teaching singer brain? <laughs> to be honest, no, it's really hard for me. Even if they're perfect, I'm analyzing what they're doing perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm exactly the yes. same. It's so hard to go to a show and I'm probably quite annoying to go to a show with because it's so hard to like not analyze everything. But it's it's not meant in like a mean way or anything. I am just like so yeah, fascinated by the voice. In it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you could have one magical, it doesn't have to be magical, but just any quality or ability. It could be a complete fantasy one or one that's really normal. What would it be? This is a really random one. The ability to let go of things. No, that's a great one. Just like things that I hold on to that I like can't let go of. Even if people are like, yeah, that doesn't bother me, whatever. And then they're like, they're lying. When you literally release it, that's really hard for me. Do you have any advice for people trying to enter the entertainment industry? I would say keep training and learn everything you can, even if you think what you're hearing is like kind of weird. You might take a little bit from every teacher and not every method's going to work for you. Singing, acting. And be nice to everyone because this business is really small and you're always going to want to work with people that you think are good to work with. Work kids. Cool. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. If you'd like to find out a little bit more about Natalie or a little bit more about riffing, I would really suggest heading over to her YouTube channel as she has loads of great resources there. She is also working on a riffing course right now, which will be available at the end of 2020. And you could keep an eye on that on her website at natalieweissofficial.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. It really helps us share these amazing stories with new people. And if you'd like to get early access to the podcast and just support us, please do head over to patreon.com slash bethroars. Once again, massive thank you to Natalie, to James and Kezra at One Fine Play for the initial edits, and to my co-producer Tom, who's been working super hard on these to get these out. And of course, to you guys for listening. See you in the next one. Bye! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.